Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. This episode is brought to you by Dove. You use all the right skincare products for your face, but your body has been missing out. With new Dove Serum Body Wash, you can give your body the vitamin C glow it's been wanting, the hydration boost it's been craving, and the active skincare ingredients it deserves. It's time for your body care era. New Dove Serum Body Wash. Get Dove or get FOMO. Hello and welcome to the Radio Times podcast with me, Jane Garvey, and the woman who is surely the country's leading TV and screen <laughs> critic, Rihanna Dillon. And that's our third go at the intro and it gets more and more enthusiastic every I time, so thanks, Jane. Really bigged you up for the third time <laughs> round. Um, I think it's fair to say that we are recording this on, we need to apologise in a way, it's the hottest day we've ever known. Well, since the last really hot one. Oh, well, so I keep hearing about, you know, the long hot summer of 1976. Yes. Is this hotter than, uh, than that? Hard to tell because I was only 12 in 1976 <laughs> and it was in Liverpool, which never really gets that hot. Oh, really? Um, all I remember about that summer was the absolute sea of ladybirds that I saw at the docks in Liverpool on a school trip. Wow. People don't talk about that anymore. They don't. There were ladybirds everywhere right. in 1976. Might have been a reason for Where have not they talking gone? about it. Well, no, it wasn't in my imagination. It was real. Um, so, yeah, and this is also a day in which we hear stuff like um, London will be hotter than the Maldives. I mean, it's such a one-off. And on days when London is 16 Celsius, we never hear that we're a lot colder than the Maldives, do we? <laughs> no, we don't. And we should. We should. I'm going out for drinks later and we're all... Friends are panicking about sitting inside or yeah. outside. What to wear? Is black going to be oh, too much? Too much, exactly. We've, it's all going off on the WhatsApp. So stressful for Rihanna's <laughs> age group. Um, <laughs> sorting out your social life in extreme heat. Um, now, to soothe our fraying nerves, we have got a great variety of shows this week. Uh, we're going to talk about the new series of Top Gear, aren't we? And what else have we got? Um, we've also got Man versus B. So fans of Rowan Atkinson, line up. <laughs> You've got him in abundance mm. in this Netflix series. We've got 
Murder in the Alps, which is a true crime drama. That's the one I really is, liked. I think, yes, yeah. You, yeah. Again, going off on the WhatsApp, you were very excited to watch this. Yeah, I really was. And we are covering Glastow, 50 years and counting. I can't believe it's the 50th anniversary of Glastonbury this weekend. It is. It's Glastow, of course, coming up. And I know loads of people will be taking the sofa route that I always take <laughs> to Glastonbury every year and maybe opening a little bottle of beer and just settling down in a pair of unsightly shorts and enjoying <laughs> the atmosphere in my own way from the comfort of home. Uh, We are going to celebrate in the company of the Radio 1 DJ Jack Saunders this week. He is part of the BBC's Glasto coverage so we'll talk to Jack a little bit later. It's been an exciting week I know for you because something you did talk about on the podcast a couple of months ago, well there's like a the conclusion to that story. Remind us. Yeah, so about four or five months ago, I went to a kooks gig and yes. lost my... Keep up at the back. Lost the stone out of my engagement ring. Yeah. And finally, I have my ring returned to me. So, which is really nice, actually. It's it's lovely to have it back. Oh. <laughs> I've missed it. Oh, you should see her face, everybody. <laughs> it's It's genuinely heartwarming. It's also that thing, you know, when people say, oh, congratulations on the engagement, and they sort of grab your hand and there's nothing on it. And then they think, oh, he's not a keeper. No, exactly. How tight is he? Uh, no, that's lovely, and I'm glad you're all back in place. That's Thank absolutely you. fantastic. Um, let's get stuck into the reviews then. Um, this is Rowan Atkinson's new comedy creation. It's a hapless gentleman in the series Man vs. Bee, which drops on Netflix on Friday the 24th of June. Now, just to give you some idea, I know Rihanna will go into more detail. Here is a clip from Rowan Atkinson's Man vs. B. On all 14 counts of dangerous driving, the destruction of priceless artwork, arson. Do you have anything to say before you're taken down? You see, there was this B. I'm Trevor from House Sitters Deluxe. Hello, sweet pea. It's Dad here. I managed to get a job. It means that we can still go on holiday together. (laughs) Danny, I'll call you back. That was the trailer for Man vs. Bee. It's Rowan Atkinson back doing what Rowan Atkinson does best, playing this poor individual called Trevor Bingley, (laughs) who's a house sitter. Um, Okay, is it funny? I love Mr Bean. I love... Blackadder. Yes, that's a work of genius, we should say. I hated Man vs. Bee. Yeah, I had a funny <laughs> feeling. Um, you might be about to say that. But it isn't It isn't for me. I am very aware of Who's it of for? This. It's definitely for children. It's for very young children. It's got to be. Everything about this is predictable and excruciating and... And not really that funny at all because you see every single joke coming. Everything is signposted. You know, oh, look, here's a priceless piece of art. And now let's watch it get ruined. Oh, by the way, the dog is allergic to nuts and it will poo everywhere if it eats nuts. It doesn't eat nuts, does it? Guess what? Oh, okay. The dog's cute, though. The dog's called Cupcake. Yeah. I like Cupcake (laughs) a lot. Yeah, Cupcake is great. Um, Julian Rind Tut is one of the owners of the house that poor old Trevor house sits for. I mean, they're a maddening couple, aren't they? They are. I mean, they are. We don't know where they have their money from, but they are insanely rich. And he puts on inexplicably a Scandinavian accent. I'm not sure exactly. I couldn't quite pinpoint it. But I think he was Swedish. Okay, I think I did, I did. It did make me chuckle a little bit, just because it is so insane. Why? I mean, why? Um, um, the house is is he's Trevor is is a man who's house sitting in this 
I suppose it's gorgeous if you like that kind of thing. It's property porn, isn't it? Minimalist, modernist property with just sumptuous gadgetry, which is incredibly sleek and also very complicated. Yeah, and and actually that does tap into, I think, quite a lot of our fears about technology taking over or, or us being locked out of our own houses in terms of the security. It's You have to have voice activation, the shower is you know you have the temperatures on the wall that you have to change and fiddle about i mean all of it is uh, it's hideous it is a bit hideous um i just found this i'm no good with this kind of comedy Uh, (laughs) my stress levels were through the roof and there's also a subplot where he's doing this because he he doesn't have a job he's he struggled to get a job he's a divorced man and he wants to take his teenage daughter on holiday Mm. and that was another thing i just found a bit sad what when he was googling cheap camping trips yeah. in the UK? So you knew she oh. wouldn't want them. It was just, it was awful. But also, awful. What's, what it is quite lovely is that Sweet Pea um, actually just wants to spend time with her dad, and that, and you can tell that, and that's very genuine. And that I did quite like that aspect. Did that she you? wasn't okay. that she wasn't some sort of grotty, hormonal, demanding, yeah, teenager, yeah. and she wasn't asking for anything much except just to spend time with her dad, um, which yeah, I thought was really lovely. I, I thought the point. So this is it. This is a series which I couldn't quite believe but they're split into 20 minute episodes really short episodes really short but yeah. they, and they sort of just run on from yeah. each other so you can just keep it running which I did but I thought the whole point of the 20 minute structure would be that they do something a little bit different or they frame it slightly differently they don't I'd have no idea why this is split into 20 minute episodes That's except really for the fact point. that it's for children who have very short attention span I think in it, the same way that Mr Bean were, were very very short Yes. Episodes. We haven't even talked about the bee. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. So, man versus bee. Um, who's the bee played by? Do we know? I don't think there, <laughs> I don't think there is a bee actor, sadly. I oh, think it is just um, CGI. Okay. But that's a, that's a, that is an interesting point because you see through the eyes of the bee, but the bee is just trying to be a bee. It doesn't even particularly seem to have a vendetta against Trevor. It's not a particularly malicious bee, is no, it? No, I think it just enjoys being in the house. And uh, I, that was a little bit sad, I thought, when he was so he was so desperate to kill this poor little bee. I felt so, quite sorry for it in the end. Bee lovers will be alarmed by that aspect of <laughs> man versus bee. Um, I, I think, well, as, as Rihanna points out, it's probably not intended for either of us. And sure enough, neither of us really liked it. But I imagine I still make the case... It'll be okay on long journeys for small kids. Yeah, maybe. I just think Rowan Atkinson, we haven't really seen him do a huge amount recently. It's, it's a shame, almost, that this was his return to yeah. the screen. Uh, so it's Man versus B drops on Netflix on Friday, the 24th of June. And honestly, you can dump your kids in front of this and they'll be fine. And they won't see all the jokes coming, um, like the very clever Rihanna Dillon did. <laughs> Now, this is very, very different. It's a Channel 4 documentary series called Murder in the Alps. It starts on Sunday the 26th and runs on the 27th and the 28th of June as well at nine o'clock. And it will also be a box set after the first episode has gone out. Here's a clip from Murder in the Alps. There aren't many investigations that I think about continually. This is one of them. In my 30 years as a police officer, this was the largest investigation I've been involved with. I know I could have done things better and how I could have done things differently does live with me. 
You might remember the story. I did remember as soon as I had watched the first 10 minutes of the first episode of this series, but I had actually, to my shame, completely forgotten it. It was a horrible crime committed in France in the September of 2012. Um, Rihanna, did you know anything about this saga? Yeah, I do. I did remember it. Yeah. Um, because it was so so shocking and, and bizarre. It was about a British family and a French cyclist who were gunned down in the Alps and then the little girl from the family was miraculously found alive. Well, you could say there was a certain amount of incompetence on the part of the French police who arrived oh, at goodness. the scene and failed to find a living child under the body of her mother in yeah. a car. I mean, I know it's very um, troubling set of circumstances. It is all really quite unbelievable. And I, I think I'd forgotten all of the nuances, mm. or if I'd ever known them to begin with, that wasn't just past the initial headline and remember being really quite shocked by that. And it is a really interesting mix, isn't it, of interviews from, from 10 years ago and going back and talking to all of the neighbours of this British family. Yeah, the family were from a place called Claygate in Surrey, two little girls of seven and four, and the parents were Iqbal, the mother, and um, the dad, Saad al-Hili, and uh, both the parents were killed in the accident, along, as you say, with a French cyclist who just well, I've only watched the first two episodes, who just happened to be there. Mm. It's a really peculiar set of circumstances. And in the first episode, you assume that the father was the centre of the assassin's attention. Episode two suggests that, in fact, Iqbal, the mother, may have also been a target herself. What we always talk about with true crime in terms of either podcasts or TV series or whatever is, you know, that line between sensationalising something, which is so devastating yeah. and horrific. Mm. I do think they do a good job, at least at the beginning of episode one, of laying out just how devastating the circumstances yes. are yeah. and, and reminding us that these were people, before they get into almost the conspiracy theories, let's mm. call them for now. Yeah, this. They, they, this was a family that got on with... Uh, uh, the kids had friends, naturally. Yeah. Uh, the neighbours spoke very fondly of, of both... Uh, everybody in the family. Yes. They, they seemed extremely popular. Locals came to lay flowers. Um, the name Al-Hili will lead people to, to wonder whether they were connected to Iraq, and it turns out that they were in some ways. Uh, and then it all gets... Deeply, deeply complicated with suggestions that there may have been a link to the Saddam Hussein regime mm. at some point in the family's history. And that, that they were being spied on by yes. our secret service. All, all sorts of theories are put forward in, in the second episode. I have to say the third episode, I'm assuming, will be some sort of conclusion or reveal. Yeah, I sort of went into this thinking there's not going to be a definitive ending. And because I'm told I, there isn't one. Yeah, so which, you know, is the, the point of a lot of true crime, I think, is the fact that it is left open-ended and that's why they can do all of these routes in. Otherwise, if they already have the answer, then what's the point? It is all really fascinating. And they do a sort of weird reveal thing at the end of episode one, which does feel a little bit sensationalist, but I do understand why they've done it. And it does leave you on a big cliffhanger um, for episode two. Um, yeah, I 
I'm really invested in this. Yes, I would imagine the numbers of people who will immediately watch all three episodes yeah. back to back. I am certainly going to watch the third episode as soon as it becomes available. I know with all these true crime uh, programs, there's probably a question about exploitation. And we should say the two young girls here uh, were involved in something absolutely mm. horrific. And um, I hope they're OK and I'm sure yeah. they are being looked after. But this must have been an absolutely diabolical experience for mm. them to go through. Um, so you just have to hope that they are they are all right. Um, having said that, there's a, a lot of it, it's just very well put together. It asks lots of important questions about racism at times mm -hmm. and about how the way certain people are treated. But there's also at the heart of it a suggestion that there's a good old fashioned family feud there. Yeah. And how many of us can say we've never been involved yes, in one of those? Not quite. So we've spoken in the past when we've been talking about documentaries about how voiceovers can make or break. Sean Dooley is a... Well, he's, a, he's got a great voice, but these long pauses that he does. Sorry. <laughs> it was completely inappropriate for yeah. one thing that we covered. But actually, Speech to Bell, who does the VO for this, I think is really engaging and she does really pull you in and... I, she is really good, actually. It was a different voice. Yeah. It was lovely to have a different voice from one that we're very used to with these very sombre documentaries. Yes. Yeah. So more of her, please. Yeah. So um, do I recommend it? Well, if you like this kind of thing, you are going to be, as as Rihanna and I both were, hugely invested in it. I mean, honestly, it's it's fascinating. It's um, a web. It's a web that yeah. really is explored really well in this. It's Murder in the Alps. Channel 4 starts Sunday the 26th, runs on the 27th and the 28th, or you can get the whole thing as a box set after the first episode has gone out. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. With Uber Reserve, good things come to those who plan ahead. Family vacay? Reserve your ride as soon as you book your flights. To all the planners, now you can reserve your Uber ride up to 90 days in advance. See Uber app for details. This episode is brought to you by Rakuten. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including headliners, Ulta, Ray-Ban, and Canon. Rakuten is how in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals during Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th. The cash back rates are even bigger. I'll be shopping for Adidas and Fenty. You can save on everything you need for summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of Big Give Week's 15% cash back. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. 
Uh, coming up, we'll hear about the new Top Gear. Yes, it's back. It's the 32nd series of Top Gear, if you can believe it. And Glasto, 50 Years and Counting. That's a documentary on BBC Two marking, guess what, the Glastonbury Festival. First, though, let's hear from Jack Saunders, a Radio 1 presenter who's going to be presenting the coverage of Glastonbury on BBC Television this year. Uh, Jack, is it your first time or are you a Glastonbury veteran? Uh, it's not going to be my first time. It's going to be my third time. First time was in 2016. I managed to get a ticket. The Excel spreadsheet was worth all the time in the world. Uh, we'd budded up, me and my friends. I think there was about maybe seven or eight of us. We were, we all went into our different works so we could have good internet connections as well. Right. And um, yeah, we all just got online at nine o'clock, just like everyone else. And um and potluck, we managed to get a few tickets for, for ourselves, which was great. And that year, Adele was headlining Coldplay, Muse. Um, I thought it was quite nice that year as well. I saw Stormzy on uh, a really tiny stage. Um, I, I mean, I don't know if anyone listening has been to Glastonbury, but basically there are obviously the big stages. And then you've got these really small little kind of pockets of stages dotted around Glastonbury where all these like little tiny secret hypey things kind of happen. And Stormzy was on one of them at the time. And then fast forward to 2019, he was he was headlining. So that was a, a nice little story to be able to see him from from the small pocket stages to the biggest of all. So you were one of those people who could bore everyone within a five mile radius about how you'd seen Storm. Yeah, I saw him. Yeah, I saw him. That was you, wasn't it, Jack? I'm just trying to give you something here, Jane. Oh, <laughs> well, you have. <laughs> um, so um, in terms of the difference between Glastonbury and other festivals, what makes this one so special? It's the heritage of Glastonbury that makes it special and where it's come from and really what it stands for. Um, Glastonbury Festival was built on being a place where um, it accepted everyone and anyone, no matter where you're from, who you are, what your sexuality is. And that has always reigned supreme through Glastonbury. There's a, there's a, there's a, I know it's kind of cliche, but there is that magic there. It does genuinely exist. And I think for people who maybe haven't been there, I'll say, oh God, not the magic of Glastonbury again. How, <laughs> how real How real can it be? Can you read my mind? What's the matter yeah, with you? No, but it genuinely, it genuinely does feel really special because there's been so many historic moments through that festival. And it's been such, it, it's been such an important hub for counterculture and, and the rise of the underground. And, and it, it, it holds the kind of uh, the memories of it all. So there are so many performances that people talk about and say, that one, that was really special. That was magical. That was a Glastonbury moment. And they talk about this in the Glasto doc that we've just watched. How do you know something is, you know, the perfect vibe, the, the, the most special performance? I love that you've asked me this question because when I'm on my radio show and I'm interviewing artists, I ask them this question, I say, how do you know a song is brilliant? How do you know you've written a hit? How do you know you've written a banger? And the answer from them every single time is, I didn't know. <laughs> and honestly, when I'm watching something and I'm kind of thinking, wow, this is amazing. Um, I don't think you really know until hindsight comes through and, um, and you kind of feel the effect of it on everyone afterwards. But when you're in that moment, you're you're just enjoying it as much as you would any other show. And mm -hmm. I think you, I think true music fans often go to Glastonbury, and they understand that you know to enjoy something you have to really give your all to it. And I think when you go to Glastonbury and you experience a Glastonbury audience, no matter what show you're at, people are open-minded. 
and they're willing to give everything to it. Are there some artists who are actually great performers normally, um, brilliant in the studio, but they don't quite get playing at a festival? Yes, is the short answer to that. Whether that is true at Glastonbury specifically is interesting. The documentary opens up with Billie Eilish, That's what I was getting at, yeah. And she's kind of going, oh, wow, I didn't really... She's just looking at empty fields and can't get her head around it. Yeah, well, she admits she didn't understand the gravitas of it all until she actually really, really got... Yes, probably artists, and I think especially artists probably from America and abroad, probably don't... They hear about it, but they don't quite understand the magic of Glastonbury. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly there is something there. Clearly, yes. Um, Can I pin you down on the ley lines then? Um, Yes, go on. Do you think (laughs) there's something deeply... Mystical. Mystic, thank you, Rihanna. <laughs> Deeply mystical about the whole Glastonbury tour thing. Do you sense all that, Jack? Yes, I think you do. I think that legacy always exists there. That place of uh, escape, essentially, because that's what it is. It's an Alice in Wonderland, you know? It's an escape for a lot of people. Yeah. Everyone comes from all over the country and descends on it, 200,000 people every single year, because there is so much to do. There's so many different art forms there. It's not just a music festival. It, there's no other place like it. Can we get some top practical tips from you for people who are going to Glastonbury <laughs> for the first time or those who are sitting at home going, how on earth do you make your way around Glastonbury? So how do you navigate the bands? How many do you see a day? How, like, you know, how, how many would you mm. advise trying to see in a day? Well, one of my top tips would be, and I know this is a podcast so people can't see, but I have red hair. Um, uh, dye your hair red. I did that last summer. I didn't lose any of my friends. I'm serious. I didn't lose any of my friends. I mean, it helps I'm six foot two. I'm like a beacon in the middle of the sea, you know, or a lighthouse or something like that. You're like a matchstick, actually, is what you're like. <laughs> yes, I'm like a matchstick. I'm quite literally this close to being a light with Glastonbury just around the corner. Um but yes, no, dye your hair red would be one. Take your own pillow would oh, be another yeah. one. That's very important. You don't want to be waking up with neck ache at Glastonbury. Yeah. Especially when you've got dancing to be doing. That's going to be <laughs> not fun. Um, and other than that, just have the best time. Just throw yourself at it. Don't worry if it's too hot. Don't worry if it's too muddy. Just go for it because you might never get to go again. Remind us who the big headlining acts are this year, Jack. Billie Eilish is headlining. And I think similar to Stormzy back in 2019, uh, the last instalment of the festival, I think people have kind of been like, really? Billy? She's 20 years old. She, yes, is probably one of the biggest artists in the world. But to headline Glastonbury, you know, you feel like you've got to be really established and a, and a proper mainstay in music. Hence, Paul McCartney, for example, also headlining alongside Billy. But I think what Glastonbury has always been so brilliant at is giving those opportunities to create those stars. And that's whether they put them on the introducing stage or one of those tiny stages, or they give you know, a, fe- a headliner a chance. There's no way you headline Glastonbury and you don't put on one of the best performances. You have to. And so, yeah, you've got Paul McCartney. What more do you need me to say on that one? And, um, and Kendrick Lamar as well. One of the biggest <laughs> rappers trio, in the world. It's isn't it? <laughs> it's, a, it's a fantastic, diverse lineup, which as we've been saying, is Glastonbury all over. And, and it simply has to be like that. And they've, they've done a really good job. There's not much I wouldn't give to hear Paul McCartney sing. Um, I mean, obviously, I never saw the Beatles live or anything. Um, but I, 
I, I'm wondering what time of day is Paul McCartney playing? Because no, no, I can't <laughs> get there. I, I can't like, get God. there. But I just, I, I envisage if he sings "Let It Be" with the audience singing along with him, mm. I will find that at the age of eighty, I'm going to find that. I'm afraid to say I'm going to find that profoundly moving and I bet I'm yeah. not the only one actually I mean that's a, a song of the ages that's timeless that will always exist as one of the greatest songs ever to come out of this country and uh, and it's going to be a moment come Saturday night with Paul McCartney so if you can get there Jane <laughs> let's 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 well, meet up, arms um, around each other, and have say, a little cry. Uh, you'll, you'll find you'll find Jack I'll very find easily. Jack, no problem. <laughs> He'll have a trial of everyone after him, so that should be sorted. Um, and is it true that Billie Eilish might be joined on stage by Harry Styles, whose album I cannot stop playing? That Me won't, neither. That won't do Harry I'm any favors. I'm so favors. glad you said that. Jane. I love it. I can't believe how. Well, I am uh, a little astounded that Harry's not at the festival officially. this year. Officially. Yeah. Um, yeah. My little prediction for next year is that Harry might headline. I couldn't comment. <laughs> but it's a possibility, isn't That's it? That's a Jack? comment in itself. Might right? be. Might be, might be, might not. I think for Who once knows? in my life, I seem to have good intelligence. Oh, yeah, that's but great. But you don't want to ruin it, do you? You want to be a big surprise. Everyone wants, well, you know, let's not, let's not speculate too yeah. much. On Get to my age, Jack. You don't like surprises. surprises. <laughs> so I, I need to Bad be for the blood pressure. <laughs> I see. It's only in, only in your 20s and your early 30s, is it? <laughs> um, Jack, really good to talk to you. Have a fantastic time. Um, Thank you so much um, for having me on. I hope you have that Macca moment and I'll, I'll be sharing Absolutely. it with you. I'll home. be thinking of you. Thank you very much, darling. <laughs> much appreciated. <laughs> Bet he isn't. That is Jack Saunders. He'll be part of the BBC's television coverage of Glastonbury this year. It's live on BBC Two with concert specials on BBC Four, and there's also coverage on interactive TV using the good old red button. So, um, <laughs> what's what's the matter with I can't that? I believe the red button is still going. Yeah, it is apparently. I've never understood it. No, but, I haven't. Uh, I've never understood the appeal. I don't get why it has to be red. Um, but anyway, it's there and still buzzing along by all accounts. Let's get stuck into the dock. It's Glasto 50 Years and Counting. It's available now on the BBC iPlayer. Um, it's quite lengthy. It's not quite 50 years long, though there were times when I did wonder <laughs> just how long it was going to be. Here's a clip. Is that Glastonbury? This empty station over here. I don't believe it. It's all empty, dude. There's nothing there. This is what all the fuss is about. Tickets for Glastonbury Festival have sold out in just over half an hour. Organisers say a record number of people tried to buy tickets. Stormzy, of course, is headlining tonight. That's um, a quick clip from the documentary, which takes us right back, Rihanna, right back to the origins of this extraordinary event. So because I'm not a huge fan of watching live music live, watching it all in a documentary form, just didn't really do it for me at all. But weren't you interested in how this festival started? Because I'd forgotten that it had yeah. anything to do with CND or anything like that. Yes, and that was quite cool. The sort of, I think the opening of this doc was great and yes. it, and I did learn quite a lot from it. And then the ending of the doc was great. Do you know what? You're absolutely right. It ended brilliantly and it started very yes. promisingly. And then it just got bogged down for a good, what, 50 minutes in the middle um, where I just, I did get, I did get really bored and I turned it off and I thought, I think I've had enough of that. And then I put it back on again because I thought, well, I am getting paid to watch this, so I better watch it. And I'm really glad I did see the end to hear about the more political side of it coming back into Glastonbury, learning about the impact of Jay-Z and about bringing Stormzy on and all of the implications of that, what that meant for representation at a place which was predominantly white, as we talked, as we talked about with Jack. Yes, I think it was a 
a doc that was bookended by two great bits. Yes. It was a great hour-long documentary. Unfortunately, it was an hour and 40, 40 minutes. Yeah. Before. Yes, and Michael Evis is what you... Oh, yeah, he's a great character. A fascinating character. He's 86 now, so the control of the festival is given over to his daughter, Emily, who yeah. seems like a very interesting and, and good woman. Yeah, she's, and also she's so invested, isn't she, about making it better and better each year and building on that and about passing it over to the next generation. I thought all of that was really worthwhile. Yeah, I think they slightly... I mean, what they didn't tell me was I didn't feel I knew any more about the amount of money made at Glastonbury. Because <laughs> yeah. it's all very dippy-iffy. Yes, they don't the say how much the tickets cost, tickets which are... is about 450 quid, isn't really it? Really expensive. Yeah. Um, so you're right. It is very music-focused and also act-focused because yeah. they do have the... the I don't know what they're called. Like, not that quite the different stages, but the different tents and the yeah. yurts all I around. I didn't see enough. Pockets. I, I don't know whether there were issues with with, um, with rights or something, but we didn't see enough of the performances for me either. I would have liked to have seen a bit of Adele. Yes. Um, and uh, Kylie, for example, who I, I, I remember, I'm not a massive Kylie fan, but her Glastonbury performance was brilliant. Yeah. Um, just brought so much enjoyment oh. to a crowd. Yeah. Um, and I did, that was missing. She wasn't mentioned at all. She briefly came on stage, but in a very right um, off hat, off the cuff sort yeah. of way. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed hearing from the guys from Radiohead, actually. And I think Michael Eva said that was his highlight of the whole festival Do ever. You know, I've never been a Radiohead fan at all but that did look really interesting I mean, there was the, a relatively short clip again of their performance yeah. and I'd like to have seen more of that and they're still just trying to capture the nostalgia of the 70s which mm. you know isn't everyone I don't, I don't think they they yeah the whole like it was very Woodstocky right that was how it came across in those early days yeah um as a sort of relic of the past and so there just seems to be this idea of people going to Glastonbury to chase that high and that feeling of freedom in the 70s and the world just isn't like that anymore. Well, I mean, I lived through the 70s. They were they were really boring at times. Yeah. <laughs> just, so I, maybe I've just... What was I... I was at school. Perhaps I just missed out. I don't know. Um, I, I think if you're a fully paid-up muso of a certain age, yeah. you will absolutely enjoy every golden moment of this documentary. Agreed. But if you're me, and I do love music, um, it was too long and too indulgent and there were a lot of people talking and I'd rather <laughs> I, I would rather and a lot of mud wrestling yeah a lot of people flopping around in mud a lot more willies than I was expecting to see I've got to be honest yeah by the way can we just say naked men jumping up and down no <laughs> I don't think we can say that well just never <laughs> and it just nothing looks more ridiculous I mean if you must be naked just walk <laughs> or stand still um <laughs> yes it is a BBC documentary it's on the iPlayer Glasto, 50 years and counting. Apparently, there, if you are going to Glastonbury, there are apps that will guide you and tell you if there's a, a band coming on any right. second on which stage and if there's going to be a clash with another one of your favourite bands. I think you can pull out the ones that you want to see and it'll put it all in a nice timetable for you, um, which I used recently at Mighty Hoopla, which was great because I only want to see about two bands. <laughs> so you actually did deign to go to that festival. Yeah. Yeah, but it was one where you could go home at the exactly. end of the day. Lovely. Yeah, you're going to so enjoy middle age. Honestly, <laughs> I'm already there. Yeah. Now there's a, a show that you want to mention that is is new this week on Sky Max. Yes, all eight episodes are available to download of the Lazarus Project. Oh yeah. I really I haven't really heard a huge amount about it, and I think that's a real shame. I, I decided to watch this instead of another program that we were supposed to be watching. 
Papa Asedu plays George. So Papa Asedu, you might know from I May Destroy You, and he was recently in Men alongside Jesse Buckley and Gangs of London as well. Um, so he plays George, who has a pretty charmed life. He sells an app, his girlfriend gets pregnant, they get married, he's having the time of his life until round two of the pandemic. And I think in this, they've changed it slightly and they call it UK MERS, and that kicks in. And then the end of the world is nigh. It's a It, it absolutely decimates humanity, this fictional pandemic and his life resets to six months before and he seems to be the only one who remembers everything that he's the just before gone through times. yeah um and it's so it is a sort of sci-fi how did you you described it really well in a line uh groundhog day with apocalyptic elements yeah i think that's a really good description and i i loved the first episode of this so the cast is incredible a real who's who of recognizable young british talent so angelie mahindra from vigil tom burke from the strike series robert galbraith jk rowling yeah uh, charlie clive from pure and caroline quentin who will always who does she play be maddie from jonathan yeah. creek to me um so she plays the head of the operations who uh who know what's going on they are the people who are resetting Thank each goodness time someone knows i yeah. know that goodness i mean i love a bit of sci-fi it is one of my favorite genres so the whole idea of the world resetting every time the world ends whether it's a nuclear war a pandemic i mean they talk about how the world ended in 1963 with the a missile crisis oh, right. but then they managed to reset it and oh. avoid you know things like that that's why is, we're here now yeah exactly it's just quite a you know it's an appealing idea it's still quite a devastating one but it's just very well crafted this series it's witty it lets you spend time with the characters so that you are completely invested in their story and I just feel like it's slipping under the radar a bit, so I recommend you have a watch if you have Sky. The Lazarus Project, as recommended by Rihanna, who refuses to talk about Love Island, which, to our collective shame, we are both still watching. <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> Avidly, every night. I, I don't know. As we speak at the moment, it's very much the Ekin Sue show. Yes. But things, I guess, could change. And also she's the most intelligent one in there, actually, and knows exactly what she's doing. And, and she's an actress. Yes. It's hilarious that it, no one else has quite realised that. I keep saying, to the, oh, they're not listening, but I keep saying every night to the kids, she's an actress, you know. <laughs> Mom, um, we don't care. They're just not listening. Um, right, the new series of Top Gear has just got back underway on BBC One. It's the 32nd series. The presenters this series are Andrew Freddie Flintoff, Paddy McGuinness and the motoring journalist Chris Harris. It's on BBC One on Sunday nights at 8 o'clock and episode four will be the next one that you're able to see and here's a clip. All that to come, but tonight we're kicking off by talking about motorsport. Isn't that right, Fred? That's right, Pad. Because see, here at Top Gear we love a bit of racing, but if we're being honest, we've not had much success. We? It's you two. Not fair. Formula Off-Road, Baja, the GT Cup, barely ever a finish, <laughs> definitely no silverware. But we reckon the problem isn't us, it's just we haven't found the right race yet. <laughs> exactly, there's got to be something we're going to... So the producers said, fine, you want to throw out a load more motorsports, go ahead. And they packed us off to a corner of the world that just loves a bit of wacky racing. Florida. <laughs> I mean, actually, I've written about this uh, as well for the Radio Times. I, I think it's one of the most clunking beginnings yeah, to a series I've ever seen. You just hear that bit where he's like, don't we, Freddie? Yeah, we do, Pad. Like, <sighs> oh, God. 
It's, oh, thank God for Chris Harris, actually, well, the journalist, who I, at least can string a sentence he together. He can string a sentence together. He clearly knows his stuff. He's the only one who you have confidence in when he's doing a voiceover, that he knows what he's talking about. And, it, you know, he's a journalist. He has a journalistic yeah. background. Um, so when he's when he's talking, I feel a little bit more relaxed and comfortable. There's trouble with both Freddie... It's no real name's Andrew, isn't it? Yeah, uh, Fred, everyone knows him as Freddie. Yeah, Freddie and, and Paddy is that I, I don't find either of them very funny. No. Um, and I... I don't think they know enough about motor cars or motorsport or racing in general. Yeah. Um, and you have to buy into the notion that these three geezers are really matey. Mm. I mean, they're not. Or why would we believe that they are? <laughs> and, and, and based on what you see, do you think there's any chemistry between the three of them? Not overly. I do feel a bit sorry for Chris Harris because because he's sort of the the one furthest down the pecking order. I guess he is when the he, least famous and the least recognisable. He doesn't deserve to he's be. He's the does most it? talented one, actually. Yeah. Just and also in terms of the motorsport, yes. he under, He's the one that understands the engines. He understands what's going on. Do you know what though? Again, as with Man versus B, I'm sitting there thinking, all right, I'm not overly enjoying this, but it's also not for me. And and that doesn't mean that it's not well made in other aspects. I mean, no, that beginning was dreadful. Yeah, but it is well. You're right, actually. It's got scrumptious production values. Yes. And I, do you know what? I really, against my will, I got so drawn in to the end of episode one where they, they have, because they are trying out all of these different sorts of races. Yeah. Although the weirder and the most bizarre, the better. They do something called the Dirty 30 yes. at the end where they all race with, a, I think, eight other drivers. I think they have souped up police cars. That have been, police cars. Yeah, yeah, which is, you know, quite an interesting idea with nitrous oxide in the engines. Yes. I mean, it's, None of this makes any sense to me, by the way. It's a slice of... Americana, isn't it? Yes. And it's a side of America that, actually, to be fair, I hadn't seen before. No, and apart from the crocodiles and the swampy things yeah, in done all Florida, that. we've yeah. seen all that. We didn't need an Attenborough-esque, you know, no. Freddie Flintoff commentating on a heron. And, you know, the idea that we were supposed to feel jeopardy when they drove across a swamp. Um, if, if they'd been attacked by an alligator, it would have been in the papers. You know, <laughs> I, I, I would have known about it. I yeah. wasn't worried. No, but I did get involved in the last, in the, you know, seeing Chris Harris racing, actually, I had to keep watching to see if he won or not. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe I've always ah. been a bit... Yeah, I think as with Love Island, I sort of... I do have a tendency to judge things before I give it a chance. I will probably never watch an episode of Top Gear no. again. I don't... Again, it's it doesn't fill the space that I'm particularly interested in or included in, but... I realise that it is really entertaining for some people and I can see why. I don't think that's got anything to do with the people presenting. I think that has actually got everything to do with the cars, the races themselves. Because any sort of race, you want to see what happens, right? Yeah. That's the point. What I can say, and you, you alluded to it earlier, is that some of the of the camera work and some of the filming is just exquisite. Yeah, it There's is. There's some beautiful colours. Yeah. Um, Florida looks absolutely divine it does and, as a, and I've been there and I frankly don't remember it being that great <laughs> but there you go you should have been in a camper van I, with these three well can you imagine <laughs> god um, I just can't think of anything I'd less like to do I can't believe the amount of times they break down either it's almost actually. like you don't think it's set up do you Rihanna <laughs> It's just like, how are they trying to fool us into thinking that this happens four times a show? Well, and that's what annoys me about it. We are spoon-fed codswallop by programmes like this. Yeah. I mean, for a start, Paddy pretends that he has sourced this motorhome. <laughs> we, he hasn't. <laughs> 
Um, so it's the new series of Top Gear. I mean, they get up to lots more hijinks and adventures, despite being gentlemen of quite an advanced age. <laughs> but good luck to them. And if you like that kind of thing, you'll love this. Uh, and both of us agree that it at times looks gorgeous. So credit to those people who make that happen, yeah. because they are clearly the best in the business. Mm -hmm. Top Gear is all over. If only. The BBC iPlayer. <laughs> right, what we watched, and in extreme heat... Here's our fanfare. Rihanna's in the spotlight this week. I'm looking forward to this. I give her some TV-related clues. She has to guess the year. The Trip, a British television sitcom directed by Michael Winterbottom, starts this year. Steve Coogan's in it alongside Rob Brydon as fictionalised versions of themselves on a restaurant tour of Northern England. They then went on to make series in Italy, in Spain, in Greece, and a feature film. Here's a clip. You could have a costume drama here, couldn't you? I would love... I'd absolutely... Do you know what? I would just love to do a costume drama in these hills, just leaping, vaulting over dry stone walls with a scabbard. It's like dead look in my eyes, because I've seen so many horrors that I'm sort of immune to. And they always say something like, Gentlemen to bed! Gentlemen to bed, for we leave it first light. Tomorrow we battle, oh, yeah, and we man. may lose our lives. But remember, death is but a moment. Cowardice is a lifetime of affliction. Nice. To bed, for we rise at daybreak. Very good. Very good. Very impressive. Yeah, they always, rise, always leave at daybreak. No, they never leave at, um, you know, 9.30. <laughs> Gentlemen, to bed, for we leave at 9.30. Ish. Ish. Yeah, I mean, we both, we both tittered a bit at the end there, <laughs> slightly to our surprise. Uh, second clue, ITV airs the British terrestrial television premiere, oh, you should get it now, of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix three years after it was released into cinemas. Here's a clip. Strange you know there. There's a storm coming, Harry. Just like last time. Ministry of Magic is pleased to announce the appointment of Dolores Jane Umbridge as High Inquisitor to address the falling standards at Hogwarts School. Things at Hogwarts are far worse than I feared. Hogwarts. 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 Come on, Imelda. Hogwarts. Enunciate. Claudia Winkleman in this year is confirmed as Jonathan Ross's replacement as head of the BBC's... Film show. Film show. I can't tell you the year. I've That's... been on it. Oh, well, you should know then. The audio clue includes films they're reviewing on the show. So come on, Rihanna, this should be an absolute doddle. Here we go. Coming up on tonight's show. The Social Network, David Fincher's eagerly awaited film about the founders of Facebook. A million dollars isn't cool. You know what's cool? A billion dollars. Steve Carell gets nasty in Despicable Me. And as the London Film Festival kicks off, we pick our absolute favourites. No more clues. Oh, my that, God. No, this should be easy for you. It should, and it it's really... Harry Potter tick, film <sighs> show tick. Come on. You're so right. This has been curated for me. Yes, and? However, <laughs> give, me, give me a minute. Give me a minute. Right. So, I... I thought the first Harry Potter film came out in 2001. 
And you said it came out three years after. So if they released one every year, which I can't remember if they did or not. But so if that came out in 2004, then it would have been 2007. That just feels too early for me. Uh, 2010, maybe. Come on, I've got my Christmas shopping to start. <laughs> Uh, Social Network, I thought was 2010, Despicable Me, doesn't feel like that. Maybe it was a bit later. What, what are we in now? What are we in now? What year? It's a purgatory, as far <laughs> as I can make out. <laughs> oh my God, this is too much pressure. I'm really struggling. Maybe it was 2010. It was! Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that is award-winning <laughs> podcasting. Congratulations, Rihanna. Good grief. If you want a list of the programmes we've talked about today... I've always been told to show my workings out. There you go. And you so did. (laughs) If you want a list of the programmes we've talked about today and where to find them, go to the episode notes, wherever you get your podcasts. Do follow to get episodes as soon as they come out. If you want to subscribe to the Radio Times magazine with Emma Raducanu on the cover this week as we approach Wimbledon, buy subscriptions.com forward slash Radio Times. That's where you need to go. Don't forget Smart TV. That is the weekly bite-sized podcast which brings you the best of what to watch and anything we might have missed hosted by the Radio Times TV expert David Butcher The Radio Times podcast is produced by Something else And who's it for? Immediate Media Oh, thank goodness <laughs> that we'd never get there 2010, I'll never forget that year now um, Have a very good week Take care Bye Bye